Hey, let me ask you guys a question. And I'm not trying to bring up any, like, bad memories as a child, but we just got to be honest in here this morning. When you were younger, was anybody in here the last pick on a team when you would go out? Okay, some hands shot up like, yeah, I'm really proud of that. You kn- well, the bad news is, is that, that that doesn't always stop at childhood. I remember um, maybe a year ago, I was in a kickball league in, uh, in Greensboro. I was invited by my family who said, hey, it's, it's really fun to play. So me and Emily and my brother-in-law and sister-in-law, we were in this league together in Greensboro. And I remember the first few games, um, I just saw the dugout. It's a co-ed league, so, you know, it was boys and girls playing. And the option on the bench was me or my pregnant sister-in-law who couldn't play. And I remember some games I would just sit there thinking, why am I wasting my Tuesday evening for this? And then I remember we got to the playoffs, and that's not like impressive because all the teams play in the playoffs in these co-ed kickball leagues. And we had a doubleheader. You know what I did for the first game? I sat in the stands with my mother-in-law. No, I did not cheer them on. No. I was like, look, if I don't play, I ain't coming. Like that, you know, Lord help me, but that is just me, okay? Guys, I know what it's like to not get in the game. I know what it's like to sit there beside a pregnant lady who can't play, and there still be a decision by the coach on who to play. And guys, I got in the game, and I was pretty darn good, I've got to say. But I share that because the mission of Jesus is not like that. Folks, there's good news this morning that all of us can get into the game and be a key player. The mission of Jesus, the mission of making disciples, of planting churches, of being on mission together, that mission does not call some of us to be key role players and for everybody else to play a support role. Now, here's what we know. You may not want to be the guy or the girl with the microphone doing announcements on Sunday mornings and being like a front Leader, You might not want to say, yeah, I'm not going to get up and sing in front of people. I will be that support role that, that brews the coffee, that makes sure the signs are out before everybody gets here. That, that, that's true, and that may be you. But the good news is, is not only does the mission take all of us, but the mission goes past Sunday mornings. So in your job, you're not a support role. You're a, you're a key player. In your school, you're a key player. In your family, you're a key player. And all of us can get in on this. And today, Paul is going to do something as we continue in our study through the book of Acts that we can all do, and it's simply this. He's going to share his story. Paul is going to share his story. And our goal this morning is to open these scriptures and encourage all of us to share the story that Jesus Christ has entrusted and given to us and even celebrate that in baptism today, right? And encourage all of those who do not yet know Jesus that he is still writing your story and you can have a story just like Paul. You can have a story just like these folks that are being baptized this morning. And you know what's awesome about this? There's only one you, and there's only one of your story. 
I mean, do you recognize that when, when we're saying things like, guys, get in the game and share your story? There's no other Adam. Only Adam has Adam's story. Only Emily has Emily's story. Only you have your story. So what would it look like to share it? It's a really great question. So before we begin, I want you to know three things as we dive into the book of Acts. And here's what we need to know about our story. Because like I said, I hope that when we get done today, all of you are encouraged that, hey, I can do this. Number one, write this down. This is the first thing you need to know. I have a story. Write that down. I have a story. If you are alive and breathing today, then good news, your story is not done yet. You have a story. Do we know what tomorrow will bring? No, not really. But we know we're here today. And if you are here today, then you have a story. And here's what we know about stories. Some of our stories can really bring us shame. What we recognize in a room this size is that while we all have stories, some of us have stories in a background that really bring us shame. And when we think about our story for our life thus far, maybe it's full of pain. Maybe it's full of anger. Maybe it's full of regret. Maybe it's full of things that you wish you could take back, but you can't. And you need to know today that that's okay. That it's okay that if your past or maybe even your current chapter in life is messy, dirty, or shameful. You need to know that. Because here's the second thing that you need to write down. I don't have to clean up my story. I don't have to clean up my story. I have a story. It may cause some shame. But I certainly don't have to clean it up. Is that freeing to anyone this morning? That we don't have to clean up our story because it's the mess that God sculpts into a masterpiece. You see, we only, this is only good news that we don't have to clean up our story if there's someone outside of us that can retell our story, that can make new our story. This isn't the time to say, hey, I don't have to clean it up because I'll do me, you do you, get out of my face. No, this is like, I don't have to clean up my story Because there's someone else outside of myself drawing me unto himself, and he is doing all the work. You see, it's in the mess that God testifies of his goodness towards you and towards this world. Because time and time again, we've seen this in the book of Acts, right? God uses the stories of imperfect men and women who will testify of what the Lord has done in their life. You don't have to clean up your story. And if you're like, oh man, that sounds really, really good. How do I get that? Here's the third thing you need to know. That God is offering you a better story. Write this down. God is offering me a better story. All of us have stories. All of us have things in our stories that we are ashamed of. That bring pain. That trigger trauma. Things that we wish we could take back. And we recognize those things this morning. But we don't recognize those things without seeing the Jesus, the Lord, the Messiah who will clean up your story. And it's not based on your goodness, but on his. You're not offering him a better story because of you. He is offering you a better story because of him. Guys, he's offering you a better story. And that's what Paul is going to say today. Hey, this is my story. This is who I was. 
And this is what the Lord offered me. You see, it's only good news that we don't have to hide or clean up our story if there's someone outside of ourselves offering to do that for us. And because the only assurance we have is that Jesus himself is saying, because of me, there is nothing to prove and no one to impress. Because of Jesus and because of the gospel, you can share your story knowing there is nothing to prove and there is no one to impress. He is offering you more and we all need that. We all need that this morning and your story can literally bring change to the culture around you. So here we go, Acts 22. We've been in the book of Acts since about February. But Acts 22, we're going to study about three-fourths of it this morning together. It'll be on the screen if you don't have your Bible. And if you do not own a Bible, we have Bibles in the lobby that we would love to give you on your way out. So be sure to grab one of those um, if you would like one. But Acts 22, here we go, starting in verse 1. Brothers and fathers, listen now to my defense before you. Now, what has happened is Paul was just arrested. The crowd that we saw last week has come, and they, they were beating him, and the chief commander comes down, and they scatter, and they arrest him, and they bring him into a trial. So that's where we find ourselves right now. So as he says, brothers and fathers, what he is saying is he is speaking to a crowd where he is trying to be respectful of who is listening. And he recognizes that this is going to be a defense, and so that's what he says. Verse 2, when they heard that he was addressing them in Aramaic, they became even quieter. He continued, I am a Jew born in Tarshish of Sicilia, but brought up in this city, educated at the feet of Gamaliel. According to the law of our ancestors, I was zealous for God, just as all of you are today. I persecuted this way to the death, arresting and putting both men and women in jail. And as both the high priests and the whole council of elders can testify that about me, they know it. And after I received letters from them to the brothers, I traveled to Damascus to arrest those who were there and bring them to Jerusalem to be punished. Paul is in Jerusalem once again, and he is defending himself before a council that has just arrested him. And as Paul begins his story, a couple of verses before this, Acts 21, Paul actually asked to share his story, which is interesting. They don't say make a defense. In Acts 21, Paul says, hey, may I speak to you for a moment? And they say yes. So Paul begins to share. And did you notice where Paul begins in his story? Well, where does any story begin? At the start, right? In the beginning. In a galaxy far, far away, right? That's how it starts. It, it starts in the beginning, and he begins with his background. Where does your story start? Well, hey, I'm Adam. I grew up in the Thomasville area. I went to Ledford. Like, in the, like you want some background information about me, right? And Paul does this for two main reasons as he begins his story. One is he is testifying to his audience of Jewish leaders that he has not always been the advocate for the Jesus movement. I mean, he says, hey, guys, look, as zealous as you are today to squash me, that was me a couple years ago ready to squash the brothers and sisters all around Jerusalem and the surrounding cities. He says, hey, there are some people in here today that can testify and, and verify and vouch for me that I was a murderer of these people, that I literally went to Damascus to drag people back to Jerusalem to put them on trial and squash this Jesus uh, movement. Paul's, Paul's honest here. And he says, hey, you need to know that that was my background. But the second reason he does this is because Paul's main thrust of this speech 
is not to stay where he started, but to share about where Jesus has brought him today. So, when sharing this type of story, where do you start? You start at the beginning. And you don't just share background information, but you honestly share, if you were in Jesus Christ this morning, you share what the Lord rescued you from. Is there anybody in here this morning that was rescued from something? Amen. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. And so write this down. We can be honest in who we were before Jesus. We can be honest in who we were before we met the Lord. I mean, that is our story. Our story is not, well, I was pretty good and the Savior saved me. Jesus himself said, I don't come for the healthy, but for the sick. So if you're in Christ Jesus this morning, you are automatically qualifying yourself as a sinner in need of saving. So good news is, even the Christians in this room, if you're like, man, I'm not a Christian today, that's okay. Because anybody who is a Christian in the room is being honest that, yeah, I was a mess before Jesus picked me up. That's just our story. But guys, there is freedom in being honest in who you were before the Lord today. When we are honest with ourselves and when we are honest with others in who we were before Jesus, we let go of this false narrative that I have always had it together. Yeah, I mean, I was, I was okay and then Jesus made me better. No, it's, man, I was dead in my sin and Jesus has made me alive. All followers of Jesus have a past in their story and we don't have to shy away from that. Paul didn't. He said, I was a murderer of these men and women. I did horrible things. I did horrible things in the surrounding cities. And ironically, and this is just how our Lord works because he is better than we are. Ironically, it's not the things where we're all impressive that unites us, right? Is it not all the ways that we're like, man, I struggle with that too. Man, I remember that. Like, yeah, like that's still kind of in my story. Like you get angry. I get angry too. Do you worry about tomorrow? I worry too. Like, isn't it ironic that it's those things that we are tempted to maybe shy away from that God actually unites all of us in? And it's in this, as we start at the beginning and being honest in who we were before the Lord, that we recognize, man, we're not that different. I was a mess too. Still sort of am. Guys, that type of beginning leads to something groundbreaking. That's where your story begins. This is who I was before the Lord. Because that leads to this, verse 6, let's read it. Paul's getting into the meat of his story now. As I was traveling and approaching Damascus, about noon, an intense light from heaven suddenly flashed around me. And I fell to the ground and I heard a voice saying to me, Saul, Saul, that is his, um, uh, that is his Hebrew name. Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? And I answered, who are you, Lord? And he said to me, I am Jesus of Nazareth, the one that you are persecuting, the one that you are murdering. You're not just murdering those people. You're going after me. Now, those who were with me saw the light, but they did not hear the voice of the one who was speaking to me. And I said, what should I do, Lord? And the Lord told me, get up and go into Damascus, and there you will be told everything that you have been assigned to do. As Paul continues in his story, do you notice the first word in, in verse 6? As I was traveling to Damascus, as I was going, and I highlight that because you know what's true about all of us in here this morning if we are in Christ Jesus? That Christ Jesus accepted us as we were going. In other words, he didn't wait for us to clean ourselves up and then come to us. 
Paul is saying, he didn't even stop me from going. It was as I was going on my murderous route that the Lord of heaven approached me and called me out. The risen Lord came to Paul as Paul was in this moment. And guys, this is grace. This is grace as Paul shares his story that the Lord doesn't wait for this gotcha moment. (laughs) He doesn't wait for Paul to kill all these people and then say, hey, yeah, now this is who I am. What are you going to say now, Paul? He grabs him as he is. He doesn't wait for that gotcha moment. He comes close to those who are in direct disobedience towards his kingdom. I mean, like, Paul was killing people following the Lord. And the Lord chose to take him as he was on this road to Damascus, coming close to not the clean, but to the one with blood on his hands. Romans 5 says this, For if while we were enemies, we were reconciled to God through the death of his son, then how much more, having been reconciled, will we be saved by his life? While we were enemies, the Bible doesn't mince words here. Before Jesus, we are enemies to God. But it is in Jesus that he draws close to the enemy. And so guys, here's what I want you to know as we recognize this truth. Don't skip the grace in your story. Don't skip the grace in your story. The risen Jesus calls Paul out and immediately draws him unto himself. He didn't wait. He didn't wait for Paul to apologize. He didn't wait for Paul to dust himself. He didn't wait for Paul to be able to explain what had just happened. He meets Paul where he is as an enemy to the Lord. He draws him unto himself. And what does he say? Get up and start walking in your new assignment. All of us need this. All of us need to hear this, that it doesn't matter where you're at today. If the Lord is calling you, he is calling you right where you are. He's not waiting for the you of tomorrow. He is calling you in the midst of your addictions, in the midst of your fears, your anxieties, your anger, your mess, your sin. He has done that from the beginning of time, and he ain't changing. He's calling you where you're at. And if you've been made new in Jesus Christ this morning, don't skip that part. That the Lord graciously saved me while I was a sinner in need of saving. And it was from that moment that he called me to make me new. He didn't wait for me to know systematic theology. He didn't wait till I had a prayer language down. Heck, he didn't even wait till I got wet in baptism. The moment that I trusted in Christ, his Holy Spirit came upon me and I was forever made new. Don't skip the grace in your story. People need to hear it. Let's keep reading verse 11. As Paul doesn't skip the grace, but actually alludes to the grace, he moves towards this part of his story. Verse 11. Since I couldn't see because the brightness of the light. You see, God didn't wait for the gotcha moment, but he was like, well, for good measure, I'm going to blind you for a couple days. He said, I was led by the hand by those who were with me, and I went into Damascus. And someone named Ananias, a devout man according to the law, who had good reputation with all Jews living there, came and stood by me and said, Brother Saul, regain your sight. And in that very hour, I looked up and I saw him. 
And he said, the God of our ancestors has appointed you to know his will and to see the righteous one and to hear the words from his mouth since you, since you, Paul, the murderer, since you, Paul, the persecutor, since you, Paul, who was a mess just an hour ago, since you will be a witness for him to all people of what you have seen and heard. And now, why are you delaying? Get up, be baptized, and wash away your sins, calling on his name. Don't you love the detail that Paul goes into here? Notice that Paul doesn't just continue his story and say, yeah, and then I went to Damascus and a man touched me and I regained my sight and then I was baptized. Now, he uses details. He knows the man's name. Ananias. Ananias came to me. He knows about Ananias. He uses details of who Ananias is. Ananias, he says, a faithful brother and a devout man. He had such a good reputation in the community of believers. That's who Ananias was. Paul doesn't skip any of those details. He remembers what it was like when Ananias touched him on the shoulders and said, regain your sight because the Lord is about to do something even more miraculous in your life. He remembers that Ananias didn't just come to him and say, hey, get up. But he said, brother. For the first time, Paul was called brother. To the people he was going to arrest, they called him brother. And this is a moment that Paul would never forget. And you know what this tells us when it comes to our story? That we are a part of one another's story. That your story is not on an island somewhere. But your story is to be interconnected with my story. Your life I almost said is to revolve around my life. That's not true. But we want to revolve around each other's lives, right? We want to be in each other's lives. We are a part of one another's story. If you were in here this morning, you're like, yeah, I remember when Jesus changed me. Do you have anybody in your story that, that really cared for you like Ananias cared for Paul? Like, do you have anybody in your story that you're like, man, I like, the Lord saved me, but that man, that woman, they poured into me. I remember what it was like when they, when they hugged me, when they, when they shared encouragement with me, when they taught me. Do you have anybody in your story like that? Who made a difference in your life? On the flip side, are you that someone for someone else's story? Are you investing in those who are younger in the faith? To encourage, to come along and say, brother, sister, like I know you're new at all this, but get up because the Lord's got something really great for you. Guys, we're in this together. Like, like we are in this together. One of God's greatest graces towards us is one another, and, and that's community. And what I love about this community, and get this, as I was studying it, it just kind of hit me. That who... Who played role in Paul regaining his sight and being commissioned? It wasn't just the Lord. Do we recognize that? That who performed the miracle? Ananias. You see, the God of the universe could have said, get, he's talked to him once before, he could do it again, and say, get up, Paul, I'm dropping those scales off your eyes. Now, don't Jesus juke me. I know that the Lord was in this. But it was Ananias specifically that the Lord told him to go to Paul. You see, this is the essence of community. 
that the Lord provides the miracle, but we get to be a part of it. If you are in need of food this morning, someone in here could bring you the food and be a part of that. Who provided it? Well, the Lord provided it. Yes, but so did you. We, me and Emily, have been recipients of meal trains in this church before. You know who provided the meals? You. He uses us. He uses us. Because God gets way more glory in using someone like Ananias building his faith and building Paul's brotherhood and community than just saying, bam, it's done. He uses one another to perform these miracles. And that's because God loves community. It's because God is in community with us. And so this morning, this morning if you are here and you're like, man, what is God calling me to do in someone else's life? Don't wait for him to do it. Maybe he's calling you to do it. It takes all of us. We're in this together. And let us see the pivotal role that we play in encouraging others and calling out their true destiny. Yeah, the Lord spoke to, to Paul, but so did Ananias. Ananias was the one that said, hey, get up because the Lord's got something great for you. Who needs to hear that this morning? Get up because the Lord's got something great for you. Someone might need to tell someone else this morning. And immediately after this interaction, immediately after Paul and Ananias get together and, and they come in this interaction, we see this next. And, and this is a vital part of our story. Let's keep reading and this is where we will close today. Verse 17. After I returned to Jerusalem and was praying in the temple, I fell into a trance and I saw him telling me, hurry and get out of Jerusalem quickly because they will not accept your testimony about me. But I said, Lord, they know that in the synagogue after synagogue, I had those who believed in you imprisoned and beaten. And when the blood of your witness Stephen was being shed, I stood there giving approval and guarding the clothes of those who killed him. And the Lord said to me, go, because I will send you far away to the Gentiles. Newly converted Paul, still wet from baptism, Paul goes into the temple and he begins to pray and he falls into this trance and the Lord tells him immediately to go. You see, Paul knew the scriptures. He was trained under Gamaliel, which Gamaliel during this time in Jerusalem was like being trained under Yoda, okay? Like, who, who was your teacher? Yoda, okay, you're probably pretty good. Paul says, I was trained under Gamaliel. He knew how to speak to the people. He knew how to expound on the scriptures. While he may have been wrong, he knew how to expound on them, and he knew them. He was zealous for the law of God. But at the end of the story, God did something more miraculous than what Paul could do himself. Paul lets us know that at the conclusion of his story, the conclusion of his transformation, there was this call to go that can only be described as a God-sized calling. Yeah, he knew the scriptures. Yeah, he knew Jerusalem. Yeah, he could say, I studied under Yoda. I studied under Gamaliel. But what Jesus called me to was way bigger than any of that. He called me to go preach to the Gentiles. And whoa, that's a God-sized calling. So write this down. All of us in here have a God-sized calling within our story. Guys, here's the good news. And it may be a little intimidating. I get it. God is calling you to more. He is calling you into a realm where faith is required. 
He's not calling you to go about your normal everyday life as if nothing has changed in your life. If something has changed in your life, then you have a God-sized calling that he is equipping you for. Paul was told directly, you will go to the Gentiles. And what does that mean? You are going to fight through your racism. You are going to fight through your racism towards these people that you call dogs. And you're going to fight through this urge to wash your hands every time you go out of their homes. And you're going to fight this urge to not sit at the same table as them. But I've got a God-sized calling on your life, Paul. And your calling is to go. You see, God doesn't wait until Paul is comfortable in his new skin. He is commanded to go immediately. And all of us in this room, when it comes to our story, we have a calling on our lives that can only be God. A calling that is bigger than money, bigger than status, bigger than clout, as the kids say these days. It's a calling to take risks, not having all the answers, right? Like if you don't step out until you have all the answers, we'll never step. But it's knowing that, wow, I have so much that the Lord still needs to do in me, but I go anyway kind of calling. If the Lord has saved you, you have a story to brag about. And maybe you're in here this morning and you don't have this story. Wherever you find yourself, here's two pieces of application as we close. And and Travis and Bethany can come on up. If you do not have a story like this, why not allow the Lord to start writing a new chapter today? If you do not have a story of what the Lord has done, then you need to hear that the gospel is good news for you. The gospel is the good news that while you were a sinner, as Romans 5 told us, while we were enemies towards God, Jesus would come in flesh, walk among us, teach us, take on our sins, physically die on a cross, and then resurrect after he was buried for three days. He wasn't just a teacher. He wasn't just a prophet. He wasn't just a good man. He was the Christ who can actually do something with your sin. And I think all of us in here are like, yeah, I want someone to do something with my sin because it's killing me inside. If you don't have a story this morning like this, God is offering you to write a new chapter. Because of the gospel, not because of you, but because of the gospel that the Lord Jesus Christ has died and resurrected over our sins, the Lord can do miracles within our lives and personal story. You can enter into this God-sized calling where he is doing something new. That's you and you don't have a story. Today, today, is the day the Lord can write a new chapter. But maybe you're in here today and you do have that story. You do know that you're a Christian. You do know that you're following Jesus. You can tell, man, yeah, this is what I was before Jesus, and this is who he's made me to be. I'm not perfect, but he has made me a new creature. And if that's you today, my question for you is, are you walking in this story? Are you telling your story? Are you skipping the grace in your story because you feel shame? Are you investing in others as people invest in you? You good? (laughs) Like, man, I'm done. Hold on. Jeez. Are you walking in your God-sized calling? Like, if you're in here today, then you are called to walk in a God-sized calling. Are you doing it? And here is what I want to leave you with today. And if you are here today, then this is good news for all of us, no matter where you find yourself in the chapter of your story. And it's simply this, that God is not done writing your story. I mean, that's so simple, but it's so true. 
God is not done writing your story because you are still here today. Guys, this is good news. That the Lord is not done writing your story and your story and your story and that he's doing something wherever you find yourself today because all of us are either in one of two places. Someone who has been transformed by the grace of Jesus or someone who can be. What is your story this day, today? What is God calling you to?